Welcome to another episode of Two Beers, Please. I'm Matt Smith, joined by my good friend Yannick. Uh, it's our second episode of On Tap, which if you haven't joined us before um, or have listened to other episodes, this one's a little different where we kind of just focus on one topic. And as tomorrow, well, it'll be today when you're listening to it, but tomorrow for us right now will be 824, otherwise now known in the sports world as Kobe Day. It is also Kobe's birthday. Um, so we're talking all Kobe today, Jan. Yeah, uh, excited. Uh, really glad we get to do this episode. And this is kind of what we want on tap to be, you know, very much us discussing in length specific sports topics because, you know, in the regular episodes, we have so much to talk about, we don't get to go in depth. So it's true. It's, it's really great. And I think what a great on tap episode to have here at the beginning and uh, rightfully deserved he gets his own episode. So, yeah, when I was, when I was like writing this, like, intro you know as we do in the notes i was going to be like one of the most impactful like athletes or whatever but like he's kind of one of the most impactful personalities we'll go down all his accomplishments but like when you have an oscar and an nba mvp that's a and i think that's probably the help too of like being in los angeles but you know it's a little bit of business time now guys speaking of los angeles don't you just miss traveling well now Mm. you can fly again with pan am where you can be assured they won't start boarding on time. You'll be squished in between two chatty strangers, and someone will certainly have their overly bright reading lamp on while you try to nap. And luggage? They've got you covered at Pan Am. You can now check two bags, ensuring that they will break even more of your items that you're traveling with. Pan Am Airlines. So thank you, Pan Am, our second fake, our second (laughs) no longer existent company for uh, the ad support. We, we truly appreciate that. And I also quickly want to congrate, congrate, congratulate, that's the word, my, uh, my good friends Jake Yasinich and, and Jordan Yasinich. Jake this week became himself a girl dad, something that Kobe's kind of become synonymous with. So um, good timing. And I, my, my other friend found out he's about to be a girl dad. So congratulations beautiful. to them. Uh, beautiful all around. And uh, I also think, Going if Pan Am was still around, you know, and all of that. Flying Pan Am in a pandemic would just be the perfect storm. I yeah, think. That would be great. <laughs> because for me, I just think nothing would change. Like, I just think it would be the same. And that would be even worse because of everything going on. Yeah, for sure. Oh, boy. But yeah, I one of the most impactful personalities by far. I mean, you don't have to know sports to know Kobe Bryant. In fact, most people who know Kobe Bryant don't know sports, let alone basketball. Yeah. So I think that's a synonymous with his name for sure. Dude, you got a you got a big day today. How how are we feeling? Oh, I want to throw up, Matthew. <laughs> I want to throw up so bad. Uh I, I got uh, down yeah, to have... man. It's so much fun. Oh gosh. I uh I I just want to throw up so bad. I here's what I'll say. I'm nervous, but more than that, right now, what I'm feeling is I'm I'm very pissed. I'm very pissed because yeah. Because I've been listening for now three days, you know, even more, but really for the last three days, people talk about the game coming up. And, and I want to preface this by saying I understand that in that Lyon game, we had some defensive errors. I know. I sat there and watched. I'm aware, right? I know that we have some issues with the press 
and that, of course, they have Kylian Mbappe, and, of course, Neymar is playing better than he usually does, which, you know, let's be honest, is not well. So I have to say that as well. I am pissed at the lack of respect we are getting in this tournament. Like, I want everyone to know that what a winner is made of is not playing the perfect game. What a winner is made of is winning. And I have to say something. I'm sorry. Guess who didn't have to go to extra time with Lyon to get the job done? We did. Guess who did? PSG did. So before you come at me with how we played, you know what we won by? We still won 3-0. That's how much we won by. We got the job done. We have adjustments to make. But for you to not even put PSG on our level, but but to put them above us, for every personality, for me to say that it's like 5-1 to because PSG have Neymar and Mbappe, and it's all about that, and you don't spend two seconds talking about Alfonso Davies, Serge Gnabry, who's had two straight perfect games, Kingsley Coman, who comes off the bench, who will pl- who used to play for PSG, is going to be on top of his game, Robert Lewandowski, who would have won the Ballon d'Or had it not been canceled this year, Manuel Neuer, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You don't even give two seconds to them, and you just want to talk about PSG. I'm pissed, and I'm glad they're doing this because I can't wait for Bayern to come and kick their ass. And that's what I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous for sure. Do I think that it's a it's a it's like a I think we're picking, I think we're picking up on the nerve pretty well. Oh, oh I, <laughs> it's bad. It's how are we feeling, Yannick? And Yannick it's, just goes on a tirade. Oh, gosh. No way. We were told you we were going to talk about Kobe, and then Yannick's like, no, we're not. We're going to talk about how stressful it is to be a sports fan. I don't really understand, like, how anyone can be, like, not believing in Bayern. Like, it's not like Bayern is, like, this is a random occurrence that they would be. Like, this isn't, like, a surprising path. And I also think, yeah, they didn't look, like, amazing against Lyon, but after you beat Barcelona 8-2 – to there was no performance against Lyon that was going to be possible that didn't look worse. Like they weren't, they weren't, the game was not going to be as impressive, like just inherently. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, I, I don't understand. This is why I hate sports media around soccer specifically. I love watching sports talk shows about everything else, but they treat soccer like every game all of a sudden completely changes the dynamic of a team. Like, yes, momentum in-game is definitely something, but you know what matters today is how Byron comes out and plays today. It has nothing to do with the last game, you know? Yeah. And, and how can they, you know, give, for example, the Lakers and the Trailblazers, they give the Lakers the win the entire week, even after they lose to the Trailblazers, because of the benefit of the doubt. But with Byron, who's won 8-2 to two and who won the last game 3-0, they didn't lose. They didn't go to penalties. They won 3-0. They didn't let a goal in. So... I don't really get that. And it's just they want to have the big names in their mouth. They want to have the Mbappes. Yeah, the that's, that's what it is. And the message about, about like talking about who's better as much as like, well, people want to hear us talk about Neymar. So now we're going to talk about Neymar, which right. I don't think is like entirely true. Like I know stars and names do draw people in, but also like sometimes like at this point, if you haven't hooked them, are they really going to be like pain? Like, I don't think you need to rely on just talking about big names is what I mean. I agree because big names can't, it, it's not like the NBA where you can have a player that makes an op- impact equally on offense and defense. You absolutely can't have them. Yeah. You can have them be good in one section and they can change a game for sure, but it's different. And here's the big thing. And it's the last thing I'll say about it. So we can talk about Kobe because it's his day. But what I have to say is, 
if PSG wins this final, it's because they have great players, good for them. They will continue to be above average at best. If Bayern wins this game, it's because you're about to see an era of German dominance in football that you have never seen before, and that's what it's going to be. And if we lose, we will continue to win the Bundesliga, we will continue to compete in the Champions League, and PSG will not. And that's what I'll say. Man, that's a bold claim. The most dominant era of German soccer ever. Not ever, just in in recent in recent years. In recent years, that's what I'll say. Well, they better win a bunch of Champions Leagues and some World Cups because I do remember them doing that in previous. Absolutely, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I mean, this game will move on quick, but like I. There's been a couple Champions League. Like last year, I think everyone would have been shocked if Tottenham had won. I think yeah, even when Liverpool went up against Real Madrid, Liverpool wasn't – like there's – the last few Champions Leagues, I think there has been like a clear favorite. And I think like betting-wise, I think it is obvious that Bayern's the better team. But I also don't think – if either of these teams win, I don't know how anyone can be like, oh, well, I'm shocked. Like I yeah. think they, they both have the capability to be here and do this. So it's not like it's a, wow, what a surprise story. Like if Ajax would have made the final last year and won, everyone would have been like, where the hell did that come from? I think both PSG and Bayern have been working towards this. So I assume um, you're drinking already. What are you sipping on? Oh, actually, in fact, Matt, and I, I hate to disappoint you. I am not because I'm drinking during – I'm drinking during the – I can't be drunk at the beginning of this game because it'll get worse and worse by halftime. I won't be able to see. Fine. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i going to get – my dad got us some beer in the meantime while I'm recording. We're going to start drinking, and then we'll either keep drinking or we'll keep drinking even more. So we'll see which which ends up happening. Will this be drinking to celebrate or drinking to make yourself feel better? Numb the pain a little bit. Right. Well, I've got a left-hand brewing company, Milk Stout, going with I, – I haven't drank like anything else from left-hand brewing company, but whenever I get them, I always get this Milk Stout, Nitro Milk Stout. It's good. It's nice. Love it's that. got a, a – it's a smooth finish. I don't really know what that means. Um, <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I believe yeah, you. I mean, you just, say that about, you just say that about something and someone's like, oh, well, that sounds great. Like, I don't – I'm not sure what a smooth finish is, but I know I want it. Yeah, if you ever hear me talking about wine, just know I don't know what I'm talking about. I want everyone to know that. I used to be so good at just bullshitting my way through selling wine. And then I eventually actually learned stuff. But there was one time the lady, like I told a lady like a wine description and then she tried it and she was like, oh, dang, you were right. I kind of thought you were just like talking out of your ass. (laughs) I'm like, "I I know a little bit. That's fair. Good for you, man. You okay. Teach me. Question of the day. We are going to, this is going to be basketball related, but it's not going to be Kobe related. Draft lottery was this week. Timberwolves have the top pick second time they've ever gotten it. First time they of course took Mr. Carl Anthony Towns. Who right now are you leaning? If you're the Timberwolves GM, are you leaning to take number one overall? I mean, this draft sucks compared to the last couple. So it, it's bad. It's so bad. I mean, the top three picks are all so unpolished. I mean, you have, you know, Anthony Edwards is great, but he's not going to make a, make a impact 
at the NBA level like he did in, in the NCAA, which in the NCAA, he was not even that dominant. So I don't know, you know, what you're thinking you're going to get from him. Obviously, you have Wiseman who, why would he be the number one pick with all of the lack of game time that he's had? You know, that's really hard to do. And I, so I like, I, I, I know this is stupid, but just because it's such a bad draft, I do like getting LaMelo Ball. Like, I, I really, I really do. Because you want, you want something out of this draft. You know what you get when you get Anthony Edwards? You get a bench player for the future. That's what I believe. You get a really good six man, maybe. That's what you get. Wiseman, who knows what you get? Why would you waste the first pick? Pick LaMelo, get the personality. He's a great player too, but get someone who you can actually see making a long-term impact and, or trade down, honestly, or just get out of that pick, get another player to pair with. Yeah, that, but what for? Know, see what happens, but I'm going to say LaMelo. Yeah, I yes. think it's, it's it's a tough draft too, because like you t- think about even just the top three guys, Edwards, was in Georgia. How many, even like they tried to put more Georgia games on TV. I could tell because they had Anthony Edwards. You still don't have Georgia basketball on a lot. Like, so you, you, you didn't really get to see him at one of the premier like places to play college basketball that I think would have helped elevate him. Then yeah, Weissman didn't even play and LaMelo has been playing in Lithuania and Australia. So I think also just the fact that you haven't, we haven't as like viewers been able to really see these guys a lot. Um, and I, and I think also just like basketball, like the like March madness, not happening. Like March madness is, is kind of an important part of at least like kind of getting some draft hype. Um, certainly for just like players that they play well, they can get looked at a little better. So I think the lack of that, I mean, I don't think this would be a great draft anyway, but I think it's a pretty lackadaisical draft. And the fact that we haven't been subjected to like getting to watch a lot of these guys makes it feel even more underwhelming because you're like i really don't like there's other guys like rj hampton who was playing in australia or even a guy like obi toppin who was player of the year like still out of dayton like most of the stuff i saw obi this year was highlights as opposed to really getting to see a lot of dayton games so not having that you know ability to kind of like oh yeah i've seen him do this i saw him have this game even to kind of believe in makes it tough i lean toward edwards just because i think he's a good fit with D'Lo and uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I think Edwards could be a bust. I think he's really, really raw, but everything that he's got, I mean, he's a freak. He's strong for 6'5". Like, that is a strong, strong guard. Um, so, I think he's got a lot of raw talent, but that raw talent can come to fruition. There's a, a, a bright future for him. Um, but kind of fun to see ball go number one yeah it would be and i also think i don't know who's gonna <clears throat> gonna go but i just can see the warriors picking Lamelo ball and then having him with steph and clay and draymond and i don't want to see that i really don't i don't need to see that that's gonna end up poor for everybody else i'm interested what they're gonna do i like because they don't really need i mean if they take somebody and the per- player does nothing never plays a game for the golden state warriors they're going to be fine. Right. Because no matter who you're taking, you're not going to be like, oh, hey, so you're taking over the reins for uh, Steph now. Like, this is Steph's team for the next decade. So it's not like – I honestly think for them, you'd rather get a guy who's just going to be more of a role player, which maybe that is Weissman. Um, But we'll see. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk the Black Mamba. 
a black mamba, a species of large, extremely venomous snakes belonging to the family Alapidae, Alepi, I don't know. It's native to parts of sub-Saharan Africa. The black, we're going to go over all of his accolades first, Jan, just to tell you how good and accomplished Kobe Bryant was as a basketball player. Already mentioned he's won an Oscar. He's a five-time NBA champion, two finals MVPs in 2009, 2010, only the fourth player back then to ever win back-to-back finals MVPs. Now six have done it, so it's not like the lot. Not like the list has gotten a lot longer. NBA MVP in 2008, 18-time NBA All-Star, second most all-time, and the most consecutive All-Star selections with 17 straight from 2000 to 2016. Four-time All-Star Game MVP, tied for the most with Bob Pettit, and the award now posthumously has been named after him. 11-time All-NBA First Team, tied with Carl Malone for the second most all-time. He's also a two-time second-team All-NBA and two-time third-team All-NBA. Those 15 total selections have him tied with LeBron, Kareem, and Tim Duncan for the most all-time. Nine-time first-team defensive team, which I think when you talk Kobe is this uh, like defense always is not going to get talked out as much. But I think Kobe like truly gets under credit for. I mean, obviously he was acknowledged at the first team, but people as far as like fans talking about Kobe, that's tied for the most all-time. Also, those nine first teams with KG, Gary Payton, and Michael Jordan. Two-time scoring champion, one of twelve players to do it back to back. Slam dunk, slam dunk winner in 1997, the only Los Angeles Laker to ever win the slam dunk contest, which is, I mean, I guess slam dunk contest isn't that old, but you would think for the franchise that they are, they'd have more than one. And then, of course, fourth all-time with 33,643 points. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, yeah, it's just so – and, I mean, really – I still, and I know, you know, of course, when everything happened, I, you know, you read the statistics so much. And every time I see that defensive statistic of, of how many times he was first team, I just, you know, it baffles me that what we know him for is pulling up for the three and not for his defense, you know? Like, of course, we know him as a hard player, but I think that just goes to show, you know, the lack of respect that defense gets in the NBA. I mean, look at the top three. I mean, I will say the top three players, you know, in history, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, they're all defensive monsters. I mean, we talked about it last episode. LeBron yeah. James gets, yeah. does not get the credit he deserves. How does he not have a defensive player of the year? I don't, like, truthfully, I don't know. He does. Yeah. So I think, you know, but just a testament to what he did in the floor, how, how he left it. You know, he did. He played in regular season. He would show up. For the all-star game he always played and it was just you know a testament to who he was as a as a competitor obviously has numbers eight and 24 retired by the lakers you know rightfully i'm pretty, so. I'm pretty sure he's the only person with two jersey numbers retired yeah i didn't look up if someone else is there but i would be shocked if there was who, el- who else would it be right right yes and shack technically has like probably different jerseys of like when he was in Miami, he was 33, 32 and 34 in LA. I actually don't think Miami's retired his Jersey, but nobody, nobody for the same franchise 
with right. two jersey numbers. Like no way. Right. And like that's not even talking about like he was also he was good from high school on. He never stopped being a legend. He was yeah, Mason he was. player of the year as well when he was coming out of you know. So <laughs> just dominant. And the, I I look at that that All Star number man. Nineteen ninety nine made Kobe who he was for not making the All Star that year. He was like I'm never not making All Star again. And that, and he did. And he did. Yeah. He straight up made it every other year. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going from now on. I'm going forever and ever. And he mm. he really did. Yeah. I mean, I think. That I means it's a heck of a CD, and I agree with you defensively. Because even I think Jordan gets more love for his like his defense than Kobe does. Like, of course, when you're talking when you're talking about Jordan, like the first thing people don't say is great defender. But I think it gets discussed far more than Kobe's defensive prowess, and they're basically just as accomplished as far as you're talking about. Nine both time both of them were nine time first team defensive team selections. That's a that's a mouthful. But yeah, he had, he's just one of the greatest, as you said. Had was good since high school. I remember I'd read this story before, but as you know, making notes and just reading more and stuff this weekend for for this episode. Uh, there's the story again of when he was um, in high school and. The 76ers like offered him to come to play in like the, one of their practices. And he was just like taking it to Jerry Stackhouse, who was a young pro, but a pro nonetheless. While you're a high school kid, like the guy was just fearless. And it was something that, that, that was something about Kobe, like, you know, players mentally. And I think, you know, their skill set certainly, but I think even mentally, a lot of times you see like a progression of somebody. And I, I, I certainly think, Kobe progressed in a lot of ways, but as far as being fearless, I, he, he acted the same way on his first day in LA as his last day as a player. Like that fearlessness was always, you could count on it. Right. Exactly. And I think not talking about best player, like conversation wise, but I just think in terms of tenacity, who knew, who could have predicted that, so soon after Michael Jordan was starting to lose that mantle that someone would pick it up like Kobe Bryant and hold it as high as he did. I mean, he was the heir apparent to Michael Jordan. I'm not saying, you know, the conversation between him and LeBron is different than what I'm saying because LeBron's a different beast. He's a different player. Yeah, He's different. They're but not really comparable. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just think the fact that from the day one of him being in the NBA, he was ready to take that on. And he lived up to it, you know, 150%. Yeah, just amazing. And 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 also, like, who can who can name such a player with so many epic personal performances, championship performances, all-star performances? I mean, everywhere you look, there is two to three iconic moments with Kobe Bryant. It's ridiculous. Yeah, truly. Yeah. I always I've always wondered too, like, I wonder how. Kobe's career would have looked if he hadn't been traded. I mean, I I don't think the Hornets ever were intending to keep Kobe with the 13th pick. I think like pretty early on, the Lakers had set up the trade to, to make sure they were going to be getting Kobe. But what, what would his career have looked like if he was a Charlotte Hornet for 20 years instead of an LA Laker? Because you certainly just inherently 
get more clout by playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, especially when you compare it to the Charlotte Hornets. So it would have been, and I, I, I don't think, I don't know. I I'm think not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Kobe. Like I don't. I don't think. I'm not trying to say like Kobe wouldn't have been an NBA champion or an MVP. Like I think that's kind of probably going to happen no matter where he's at. But just the optics of his his career would have looked far different if he was in North Carolina as opposed to Southern California. For sure. Yeah, I think he would have balled out, and the Hornets wouldn't have been able to hold on to him after a year or two. I think that's just what have happened, and he would have gone somewhere. Maybe not with the Lakers, but he would have been a legend anywhere else. Go to the Celtics, you know, be win the Celtics every championship in the world. Do that. But he, yeah, yeah I definitely think Kobe Bryant would have still been an amazing player. Kobe Bryant, I think, would have always been a top 10 player just because of his competitiveness. I do think Kobe Bryant would not be Kobe Bryant without his connection to LA though. Like just who he is and oh, he's synonymous with that city. And I just think, you know, what a delight that we all got to watch him in LA. You know, I think you make there. I think you make a good point too of like just the personality that Kobe is. Like if the Hornets and this probably would have been the same way if in LA, if the Hornet if he, you know, goes to Charlotte and stays there and they suck for a couple of years. That guy, just who he is mentally, is going to be like, I'm leaving. I'm going to a place that's going to actually be a winner. But right. when you get to go to Los Angeles and then they sign Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> like quickly after, it it helps uh, get the winning going pretty early on. Yes, he definitely was set up to be great. And then he also took that and was not just great, but legendary. So, yep. Amen. All right, Jan, uh, what is – we're going to – you know, now we've talked about how great he is and everything he's done. Now we're going to get into some of our more specific kind of favorite moments, memories, things about Kobe. So what's your favorite Kobe game? This was so hard to think about. Uh, it's I tried to like three or four times. Right, and also because – my Kobe memories are very scattered because I wasn't really into basketball until like 2014. Right. So, but I had seen Kobe games before that because he's Kobe Bryant. So I do have like scattered memories and I really had to like think about what had the most impact on me. But I do remember watching Kobe Bryant play the Knicks in 2009 and score 61 points at MSG. And I remember that being just you know, in prime time location, New York City, 61 points, 35 points in the first half alone. It was watching the best player in a historic venue. There's nothing else you can ask for. And just, I mean, an amazing game. And I remember that being like, is this what basketball is? Basketball is <laughs> great. I should watch basketball. Yeah, I, can, I can get down with this. Right. I was like, who is this guy? He walked into New York City and said bye. It was crazy. That was that's my favorite Kobe. Yeah, that's that's one. That, I think I mean, like you said before, it's just a tough one. He he has uh, a plethora of of fun games. I went with um, against the Mavericks in December of two thousand five. It was the same season as his eighty one point game, and it was like this was almost like a month before that eighty one point game. Uh, but he, he in this game against the Mavericks <laughs> might have been able to score more than eighty one. 
because he had 62 points, eight rebounds, three steals, 18 for 31 shooting, four for 10 from three, and a credit to Kobe's just physical, like physicality, 22 for 25 from the free throw line, which I love when a scorer just gets to the line. He's like, I'm going to make you, you're, you're going to have to foul me because I'm too good. And then I'm going to keep on getting easy points at the free throw line. <laughs> Although 22 from 25 from the line, come on, Kobe. I guess, I guess that's 88%. That's not that bad. But all those stats, that 62 points, those eight rebounds, he did it in three quarters. He didn't even play a minute in the fourth quarter. He decided to rest and apparently, like, told – I think one of the assistant coaches just been like, no, nah, I'll be able to get – because they were like, do you want to get in and play 70? He's like, no, nah, I'll be able to get it another time. Of course, a month later, he drops 81. But didn't even play in the fourth one. They were up 95 to 61 at the end of the third quarter, so he didn't need to play. Right. And, and if you remember how many points I told you, he had 62 at that point. At the end of the third quarter, Kobe himself was beating the Mavericks 62 to 61. He was outscoring the entire team. And that was a good – that was the Mavericks team that ended up going to the NBA Finals and ultimately losing to, to Wade and Shaq in the Heat. But that was a really good Mavericks team. So it's not like he was going off – like the 81-point game, I and mean, we'll talk more about that later – that that Raptors team is, was not scaring anybody. That Mavericks, or that that yeah, the Raptors team wasn't scaring anybody that he dropped on. That Mavs team was was really really good. Um, maybe yeah. I know the Heat won the title that year, but I think the Mavericks might have been the better team. So that's my my favorite my favorite Kobe game specifically. Right, and and like how often do we see that nowadays? Like even with all of the great. Off offensive players. Number one, outscoring a team by yourself. That's ridiculous. Number two, how many threes did you say he made? Four total? Oh, yeah. That's it? He right. has 60 plus points with four threes. But James Harden has like 60 points, but he hits like 10 threes in that yeah. game. It's it's a ton of threes. Yeah. He drove, he scored in the paint, and he got fouled and made 22 of those foul shots. That's just, I mean, that, you don't. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. That right. that kind of tenacity. I truly right don't. And like the way they shoot threes, like I don't think we're ever going to see somebody score that many points and not, like you said, not have a good amount of it from threes. Like that's crazy. That I mean, I know Kobe wasn't that big of a three point shooter. He would. I mean, he would hit them obviously, but it's not like that was. It wasn't part of his game. Like it's part of Harden or, or Curry's game. But still, I was like, I was expecting him to hit more than four when he dropped sixty two points. You got 22 points on the freaking free throw line. Right. I Just crazy. And just to go to the free throw line 25 times in a game. And, and so you're, you're telling me you get fouled 25 times to take three uh, or, you know, half the amount. But, like, you get fouled that much to take that many free throws. And yet you also have 40-plus points that don't come from that. So you're saying, like, you got fouled this many times and you still, like... And you're you still, still getting buckets also, like, simultaneously. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what a... Yeah. Yes. I, I I mean, I think it, it's so good to remember everything and, and just every memory has something different attached to it. Where he played, who he played, what he was able to do statistics-wise, what he said post-interview. I mean... There's just there's just no one else like him in my in my lifetime. Of course, Jordan was playing not in my lifetime. I mean, of course, he played in my lifetime, but not really. So he he is my Michael Jordan. He he was always my Michael Jordan. I mean, 
And I, again, I was not a big fan of basketball. And I still remember the exact feelings I felt that awful day. I still remember, I mean, the exact way I felt, what I was doing. And I, I haven't felt, I, I, one or two other times I felt like that in my life. And it just goes to show that he had such an impact on the entire world. Yeah. It's interesting how those, when it's somebody like that who, who passes away, where it's, because obviously the majority of us that are mourning them don't know them, but there's, there's almost some extra, there's like this added grief where like the fact that everyone is affected by it. Like when you lose somebody that's close to you, like, unless they're like close to that person, it's not going to hit them as, as hard. Like, you know, it just won't. But when it's like somebody as iconic as that, like, and, and everyone recognizes the person knows them, like just having, knowing that like so many people are being like hurt from, from that loss, I think almost makes it more sad. And just like, dang, this is big collective grief. Nice that we're in it together, but um, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it was really sad. Sad. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to... I was working a service shift in the middle of brunch when we everyone started getting the news, and I still remember being like, what a fucking awful fake thing to say like about yeah. like such a great person. I oh, thought, it was so, thought it was so fake, and, and as soon as everyone started realizing it was real, like my busy Sunday cafe with 25 people in line it just became like a ghost town. Like everybody was there, but no one was there anymore. And yeah, I'll never forget that. That I like, I thought like I, I went outside, had to take a breath. And I was like, I have to live the rest of my life knowing, you know, Kobe Bryant is dead. And yeah. Yeah. And it's because you, you felt, and we'll talk about this, but just like, not just who he was like statistic wise, but as, as, as a competitor and, you know, you just felt, that he was a part of your life, that he forced his way to be a part of your consciousness. Like that's how competitive he was. And yeah, that's the last I'll say on it. I'm getting sad now. <laughs> yeah, it is sad. And I think, I mean, obviously sad regardless, but then, you know, you, you get all the details, of course, him, him being with his, his daughter and, and the other young women and people that were on, on that helicopter. Like it's just, it's just tragedy. And it's, I think too, especially like with a guy like Kobe, um, we look at those people as like being immune as like, like now nah, they're, you can't touch them. Like they're, they're, they're successful enough in life and they've done stuff where like they've, they, they're going to get the breaks. And so when something that tragic happens to somebody that seems so, you know, immortal almost it like, hell, that that's not what's supposed to happen. Right. I mean, for me, and like, not even talking, you know, present presidencies or whatever, but like, for me, it felt like what it was supposed to feel like if, if a president got shot, like, that's what it felt like. It felt like, unreal. Yeah. like the world right. stopped. And yeah, of course, everybody else in that plane tragic tragedy as well. And I think it's important to remember that for sure. I do find solace in knowing that he wasn't alone. Of course, it's such a tragedy that his daughter died as well. And I, and I don't wish that on anyone ever, but I think with how bad the situation is, I'm glad that he wasn't alone and she wasn't alone. So that is something I find peace in, but 
Yeah. Sad. Truly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too. You like try to put it into words and then you like, you think you have some words to describe it and then you try to do it and like, you kind of hits you again of like how it felt. And you're like, I, it just sucks. Like I, I remember my cousin called me that night cause he's a big basketball fan and we were chatting. Like we were both just like this, this feeling just sucks. So, right. but, um, we're here to talk more of the good memories of Kobe. Right. Absolutely. Next we're going to talk kind of favorite Kobe moment and kind of what we'll remember most. For me, it with Kobe, you know, it's kind of, kind of like what I was saying earlier with the fearlessness. It's also just that grit. That dude, I mean, I think that's another thing with Kobe where, where you start comparing like LeBron to Michael or Kobe to Mike. Kobe and Michael – they wanted to win more than anything, and they did not care if nobody liked them. They they gave a shit about one thing, and that was winning, and they were going to do anything possible to make that happen. Um, and, like, I think that is mentally, like, that comparison of those two is spot on. It's like they're the same person almost. And as far as moment that I think even epitomizes kind of like what I remember, what I remember, you know, most about him, with that grit and everything – was then when the uh, 2006 playoffs, Lakers were the seven seed and the Suns were the two seed. And LA had stolen a game. They were up 2-1. Game four was was in Los Angeles. They were down 90 to 88 with like seven seconds to go. Lakers and, and the Suns have the ball. Lakers are able to get a steal. They get the ball to Kobe. Of course, Kobe goes, ties it up. We go to overtime and the Black Mama gets even more dramatic for us. There's a jump ball between Steve Nash and Luke Walton, which is just a hilarious sentence to be said. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you pick two of the most random players ever that you think would be involved in the jump ball. I, Luke Walton and Steve Nash might be winning that competition every time. But it's a jump ball midcourt with 6.1 on the clock. The Suns are up 98 to 97. Walton wins the, t- the tip ball, gets it over to Kobe. He just beelines it right to like the top of the right elbow, elevates over Boris Dia and Raja Bell, buries it at the buzzer. And not even so much the shot, but immediately after he turns around and it's just that, that fist pump and that face that he, you say like, all you have to say, you can't describe it well, but I don't need to because if you ever watched Kobe at all, and I tell you, he's got that Kobe face and, the, and his pump in his fist, just like, boom, got it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was just like quintessential Kobe was beating his chest, wooing to the crowd, pumping up his jersey. So like not even just the, the amazing shot, the ability to be like, I'm going to go and get this winner and will us to this victory. But just the celebration was like the most Kobe celebration ever. I actually ended up losing that series. The Suns came back down three to one. But that shot and that just reaction is was one. I remember it was like a Sunday afternoon. And it's, it's one when I think of like a Kobe moment, that's the one that always immediately my memory goes to first. Right. Yeah, it's, it was hard for me to pick a favorite Kobe moment, because again, I got into him a little late, right? So I think I'm going to focus more on what I'll remember most, because I mean, I was affected so much by Kobe Bryant not being a basketball fan. And so there's two things that I'll always remember. It's of course, 
the Mamba mentality is what I'll always remember. You know, I wasn't into basketball, but his swagger, his competitiveness, his mentality for greatness, that is something that I just, you know, was like a moth to a flame for. I mean, him and Muhammad Ali, for me, were the two. They were just infectious in their hard work. And it just made you want to work harder. Just it did. Knowing that, knowing that he was doing what he was doing made you want to work harder. And I'll say also, when he died, I had the thought to myself, you need to work as hard as you can because he can't anymore. And that was something that came up as well. And so that's the number one thing would be the Mamba mentality. And also something that I always heard and like what did more research about is how he mentored others. Like such a competitor like he was. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to mentor anybody. He was a mentor just being who he was. I mean, you think about Michael Jordan didn't do that, right? It was not the mentor. Kobe Bryant was. But, like, you look at the players, basketball and not. You know, Kyrie Irving, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Jewel Lloyd, Candace Parker, Sabria Inescu, Alex Rodriguez, Novak Djokovic, Richard Sherman after his Chile. I mean, he truly took anyone that he thought – you know, needed it and got him on his back too, like, like away from the court. And I just think that will stick with me. You know, that someone that great who didn't need to be anything more than that would go out of his way to help other people, like, you know, and and help them gain what he had and what he knew that he had this, this unbelievable grit. And he was able to, to be not selfish with it. And that's, that's what all has stick out to me. For sure. I think, I think, you know, that's kind of like with those progress, like a progression thing that I was talking about earlier. Like he, he changed a lot, like early on in his, his, his career, he was a lot more like Michael and, you know, you know, Michael like mentored Kobe, but Kobe literally, like you're saying, like mentored, like everybody, like Michael was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll mentor you because we're similar. And you're also like one of the best players. Kobe was down to mentor anyone, but he wasn't always that way. I mean, the first part of his career, he, he was kind of an asshole and, and he like that change um, was, was a cool thing to see because I think it's like, I think he, even he learned where he's like, I can be competitive and I can work super hard. And, but like, I also don't, I don't need, you don't need to be a jerk. Like they're not, it's not mutually exclusive. Like, well, if I wrote, if I really want to win, I got to be an a-hole all the time. Like, no, you don't. And, and seeing him kind of become, what he became in, in his later in, in, in his career. And also when he was done playing was, was a cool pro- progression to see for a guy that a lot of his career was called selfish and a ball hog and this and that. So it was, it was cool change. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, it's amazing. You, yeah, I have nothing else to say about it. It's just, it, it was amazing to see and, and still hear about, you know, people come out and say like Kobe Bryant mentored me too. And I was like, of course he did. Why yeah. am I not surprised? Truly. I think, you know, too, it's like when you talk about a great athlete like Kobe, um, of course, the first thing you think of is, is like their performances and their athletics. But I think a lot of times the like the really great ones, it is, it's stuff that they do not just in their when they're competing on, on in the sport. Like it's we don't just remember them. We don't just like build them up and into these people just by what they did on the field or the court or what have you. Like it's 
it's much more, their legacy is more than just what they do competitively. Right. Yep. Do you have, do you have a favorite all-star weekend memory, Jan? Yes, I do. And just because I only watched the all-star games, like starting 2010, but those two all-star games, 2011, 2012, like back to back in the two of them, Kobe Bryant was a monster in both of them. I mean, he scored 64 points in, in combined in all-star games. Like, why would you do that? There's no reason to. It just epitomizes who he was. Yeah. He scored 37 points in a game because he was playing a game. Didn't matter if it was the all-star game. Didn't matter if it was practice game. And he was MVP in that 2011 one. I never watched the slam dunk contest, but you know I watch highlights of it all the time. And granted, it wasn't like the most amazing dunk contest or anything, but just that he went out there as a rookie and was just like, yeah, I'm going to take this to you too. Dude, he was, he was a fierce dunker. That's another yeah. part of his game, especially early on. Like, I think he, he attacked the rim differently as he got older. Just, you know, you protect your body and such and such. But that's another part of his game that I don't think gets enough love. Like, Kobe, Kobe would not only throw it down. I feel like Kobe was like, I don't, I don't want this breakaway windmill. I want to take it in, and I want your center and power forward to slam into me while I'm tomahawking over them. Like he wanted that physical, like battle of the brutes down low when he would dunk. Like he's like, make this as hard as you possibly can on me because that's only going to elevate what I do. Right. Yeah. I watching him dunk is scary. I would never want to defend that. And I would, the last thing I would pick to do in any sport would be to try to defend Kobe Bryant while he's driving for a dunk. Never, never, never. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, he's like I think he doesn't get enough credit for like the powerful dunkers. Like I don't I'm not saying he's up there with Dominique and Daryl Dawkins or like Shaq, but those guys are also different players, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shaq's also massive, so but he would <laughs> like when he was about to dunk, like he was like, I'm gonna murder this ball through the right. hoop. Yes. Yeah, I think I couldn't I couldn't choose. So I got I had like two two memories on for the all star game. The 1998 one, when it was his first official selection, and this is one I, I do like vaguely remember, and probably even more just like in the reading about it after, but just being able to battle with Jordan. And even like there, I think there's the clip in The Last Dance of like Jordan talking about Kobe and like how he just like is kind of crazy and all over the place. He's like, this kid's gonna gonna go for it. And um, and he did. Like Kobe got that all-star selection and was like, I'm I think I'm the best player on the court and I'm going to do everything in my power to show you guys that I'm the all-star. So that battle I loved. And then in 2009, when he and Shaq were back on the same team for the Western conference, when Shaq was, I didn't mean, I didn't know Shaq went to an all-star game as a Phoenix sun, but I guess I forgot that he did. But uh, so yeah, they were back on the same team and it kind of, you know, there'd been a lot of beef between them um, after, you know, Shaq's departure from LA and it kind of put a lot of that to bed. Like they, it was one of the first time, at least publicly, um, it was one of the first times we kind of got to see Shaq and Kobe laughing together and smiling together again instead of just kind of hostility towards each other. Um, and not to, I don't want to get super sad again, but I remember one of the things that stuck with me a lot with like was what Shaq said um, when Kobe passed of like, we, wait, he, we wasted so many years not talking and not having a relationship because of petty bullshit. And, and he was like, if you have any of that with somebody, he's like, right now, he's like, 
get rid of it. It do, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. And if you got the opportunity, like we all do, to put those things to bed, like Shaq, you know, couldn't. Um, I think it's an it was an important thing to important note for Shaq to say, and it you could tell it hurt him to say it, but. I think um, a lot of those like comments and stuff from ex-players and ex-teammates and such were uh, hit a lot of us hard. It's just very real. Yeah. Focus on what matters most, people. All right, we're going back to happiness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you can't say stuff like I that, know. Matt. I know. Well. I had in the notes. Oh, well, I just, I'm going off the cuff here, man. Fair. <laughs> that always goes off the cuff. <laughs> I like the um, uh, spontaneity of it, you know? All right. Most impressive Kobe accomplishment for me. I, I don't really think it's, well, I mean, he probably could say he's close. He's been clapped a lot, but the 80, 81 points in a game was astounding to me. Second most of all time. Just the like the game that it was, twenty eight for forty six shooting, seven more threes this time, but still only seven threes, seven for thirteen, eighteen for twenty on the free throw line. Just was I remember watching that game and just being like, they can't stop. He's just gonna keep on scoring and scoring and scoring, and it was nuts because I think obviously like Wilt's hundred is very impressive, but I kind of think Kobe's eighty one is more impressive than Wilt's fifty. Like, obviously, Wilt's 100 points is still very impressive, but Wilt had about four inches on every other center. Like, even Bill Russell was, like, 6'9". Wilt's seven feet. Like, Wilt's just physical, imposing presence was – nobody could really touch him. And even, like, I think – I don't know if it's the same year that he averaged 50, but, like, he had 50 points a game one year. Like I just think the 81 points that Kobe did is, is more impressive even than the 100, which kind of sounds – Ridiculous to say it out loud, but I stand by it. And I, it's the single most impressive game I've seen, at least scoring-wise, a basketball player play. Right. I agreed. And that was what I, I kind of made it like a twofer for my most impressive Kobe moment. And I called it his challenging of Wilt Chamberlain. Because you're right. Wilt Chamberlain did monstrous things and you want to know why we don't consider him in the top like five players of all time i mean most of the time he's not really considered there is because the where the time period he was playing basketball he was completely ahead of his time and a freak of nature so you know it's like he had these advantages over the players that he's playing that kobe bryant not only did he not have them but he, he wasn't even the most imposing player size-wise in his own era. So yeah, I, I just – yeah. And it's just crazy that he even challenged Wilt Chamberlain's records. That anyone got anywhere close is ridiculous. Like people need to know how ridiculous that is. So, of course, there's the 81 points against the Raptors that we talked about. I mean he was 28 for 46 from the floor, 7 for 13 from 3, 18 out of 24. Free throws. I mean, just an amazing performance all around scoring wise. And we, you just mentioned it, the four, the four consecutive 50 game, uh, 50 point games in 2007, also second to Will Chamberlain. Right. And 
He had 65 against Portland, 50 against Minnesota, 60 against Memphis, 50 against New Orleans, averaged 53 points a game. And the only the game that broke that street, Matt, he scored 43. He was held <laughs> for 43 points. And I bad the day fact, at the office. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's crazy. And the fact that he even challenged Will Chamberlain to those two records. I mean, Will Chamberlain's records are never going to be broken because that's not how the game is played anymore. Yeah. And the fact that he was close. Is is ridiculous, and what an accomplishment, and a, a freak of nature in his own right. Truly, yeah. I mean, I, that, that gave, like, and even it's funny too because like, like nineteen points. It's not like it doesn't like mathematically, it doesn't seem that close. But like in the flow of the game and just like record wise, it is close. Like it is, and. Second most all time, so maybe that's part of the reason it feels close too. Is he just inherently is the second, you know, right below him? But like that eighty, that eighty one doesn't feel as far away as a hundred as like the math would say it is. Right, and 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 if Kobe Bryant had come up in an, in a generation later, he would have had the three point shot that people have now, and he would have scored a hundred and fifteen. I mean, it, that's it'd be, it'd be interesting to see because I I completely agree. Uh, I think even like Marcus Spears said this a few weeks ago, like if you're a great player, you're always going to be a great player. Like there's, there's a few, there's a few guys. I mean, there's players that of course are going to be always be helped by the era, but like, if you are one of the greatest players in your sport, I think you can play in 1890. And I think you can play in 2231. Like you, you are so good at it that whatever the game is, then you will form to. So yeah, I think Kobe would definitely be shooting more threes now and it'd be his scoring would be kind of could be crazy. Like yeah. 40 points a game wouldn't shock me. Not even a little bit. I'd be I'd expect it honestly. So Jan, you and me talked about this before we really kind of set the outline for the show and it's um not the funnest part of Kobe's legacy to talk about, but I think we both thought it would be remiss if his sexual assault allegations and all of that from 2003, if we didn't touch on it at least a little bit. Um, for me, you know, I, I'm i not one that's going to crucify Kobe Bryant. I also am not the one that's going to give him, you know, I'm not going to absolve him. Um, I can't. And I also, I don't think like, if somebody has an issue with Kobe because of that, I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. I don't think they are. And I think Kobe fans even have to acknowledge the sexual assault and, and allegations, I suppose. Um, and just that, that part of his legacy, especially because like he's gotten to be known, you know, with this girl dad thing and all the amount of empowerment he's done for women's basketball that's all extremely important and it's all great work, but we can't take just that part, that slice of Kobe. Um, we have to take him as he is. And I think at the bare minimum, even Kobe acknowledged, you know, that he did something wrong in that situation. And we want our heroes to be perfect, but they aren't. They're flawed just like that. And I think in a credit to Kobe, I think he learned from his mistake, or at least from the outside, and it looked like he did, and became better because of it. And I 
Again, not absolving him. That doesn't make him a saint just because he got better. But you know, we don't put prisoners in jail for life. You're supposed to pay your, you know, pay your price and move on. And I, I, we're all going to make mistakes. And I think anytime you make a mistake, the only thing you can do is try and, and become a better person because of it. So I think the legacy of Kobe becomes much more powerful when you include, you know, these allegations and, and, and just the whole, I don't know what the right word for it is, but just, just, just include it in his, his legacy. Um, because I think that's an important thing to learn is that like mistakes are going to be made. Uh, and I think all you can do is, is try and become better and, and learn from, from the mistakes you had. And I think, he did do that. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hard topic to talk about, you know, with, with not just his death, but like the, the tragic way that he died. It, it is a very hard topic to talk about. I think there's a lot to be learned. There was a lot to be learned for him and there's still a lot to be learned from us. I, you know, I'll, I'll go even further in saying that I don't think our heroes should be perfect because that's not, what a person is not real life. It's not real life. And if you're going after heroes, if you're trying to be somebody who's who you see as perfect, you're always going to be disappointed. And then what are heroes? What is the point? The point is for you to idolize somebody and then be disappointed when either they don't live up to you or you don't live up to them. That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't, that's not what a hero should be. You can't live, you know? you can't live up to something that's not possible. Right. And you know, his mistake is a little unique in the sense that he took it. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know the entire, and I didn't really want to go super in depth, but I did read enough articles where it's clear that regardless of the severity or lack of severity that was actually there that night, you know, of the, of the claims, he, he took advantage of a situation that he shouldn't have. That I think is clear. And you know, with the whole Me Too movement coming around, we are in a place where we should acknowledge that because then we don't have these situations where, you know, Kobe Bryant dies and people are saying, good, I'm glad because it's not been dealt with, you know, because it was paid away and settled away and people are like, did he learn from it? You know, I wish it was more of an open thing, especially with celebrities that we look up to that when they make, you know, bad calls like this, you know, when they make mistakes like this, that they do, you know, are able to learn from it and, and have to, are made to learn from it in front of us, not because they have money and settle out and don't do it again. That's not learning from it. Yeah. yeah. And they don't really have to pay the piper. Right. Yeah. But I think there's also a lot to be said. First of all, I think the main lesson is, with, with this whole culture that we're in now of celebrity and sport and in artistry, all of that, don't make assumptions about these situations that you don't know. And more importantly, don't make conclusions from those assumptions because you don't know what's going on. And, and I would just think anyone who looks at the situation and says, well, you know, what about this about her claim? What about this about her claim? What about this that it didn't go any further? What about this that he said... You don't, you're not there. You're not a part of the legal team. You don't know Kobe Bryant or this woman. 
you weren't there that night. So don't make those assumptions. It's not for you to assume, you know, and, yeah. and feel how you need to feel about it, you know, and, and, and understand what that feeling means to you about his legacy, but don't make assumptions and then go off. And, and because that is what the Me Too movement is about is that for the longest time, women have had to have airtight cases for these things in order to even be acknowledged that there's a problem with like the culture of toxic masculinity in, in this world. And, and so I think it's just so important to not, especially because we do it with celebrities so much because they are in the public eye and we do have that opportunity. And I just think it's so important that we don't do that. You know, that, you know, leave, you know, leave that to the people that are in court, leave that to the people involved, understand it, learn from it on your own, but don't go off, especially with social media. I can't even stand it. You know, I, I love Kobe Bryant, you know, and, but for the amount of people who went online defending him, fine. But the people that said, you talking bad about the woman, poor woman. I mean, it's not her fault that Kobe Bryant died tragically and people are questioning his legacy. That's not her fault. No, why should no, she no, have no. to watch? And she probably had to relive that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like for her. So yeah, assumptions and conclusions about celebrity is so, I mean, it happened with so many players we can think of, but let me tell you something, Matt, if Ben Roethlisberger died in a helicopter crash, I bet you a lot less people would be pointing to him. And that's something to be said as well. That's, that's some, there's some, definitely some racial undertones about people bringing it up with Kobe Bryant that I think need to be acknowledged as well. And yeah, I mean, in the end, every voice deserves to be heard, especially in a world where we're realizing just how toxic dating culture has been in the past, right? We used to think of sexual assault as purely rape, you know? And now yeah. we realize it's so much more complex. There are so many layers of harassment and discrimination. And consent is, and thankfully, it's a growing topic that we're talking about, you know? He thought he had consent that night. I do believe that maybe he did. I also do believe that he didn't know what consent actually was. You know, I don't right. think that right. something, especially in 2003, that really a lot of us understood. I mean, 2003, did you watch some of the movies that came out in 2003? Consent was not only not a thing, but made fun of, you know, and and like regularly in box office movies. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, just like, like the importance of communication with someone. And I think and I think because like I think sometimes our society is like, Nope, we don't want to talk about sex because it's like sort of taboo, even though I I don't know why it's we're all here because someone had sex. Right. It's not, it's not like an unnatural thing. And I think like the trying to repress it and trying to not talk about it then, you know, creates these moments where there's lack of communication in a sexual encounter that shouldn't be the case. Um, I right. think like, the communication and like, that's another thing. It's like, yeah, like a lot of people, when he passed, they were like, we don't need to bring up the sexual assault stuff right now. I'm like, I, I think we kind of do. And we could, because like I said, we don't, we don't get to take Kobe as this great, you know, champion for like women's athletics and women's basketball and, and all that. And just take the fun, pretty parts of that and be like, what, what a champion for women, because he does have, some skeletons in the closet where he was not being, I would say a very great feminist for, for the movement of, of women. So like, I don't like, I, you just, you can't get a pick and choose what, what you want. And I think too, like, like you said, I, I think heroes become more impactful 
when we just take the messy, nuanced people that they are because that's what life is, right? Right. But right. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's one of those things where this and like so many things, I, I, it's just not black and white. Like it's not either or, it's not this or that. It's a multitude of of shit and a lot of it's bad and but I think also it's stuff that the more you talk about it, the more it's actually discussed. That's how you start solving those things and, and getting rid of, of that in our culture. And, and the idea of like protecting an athlete that has done something wrong that, that can't keep happening. Right. You know? Exactly. I think for me, the answer to solving our problems lies in the middle, not at one of the extremes. Now I'm so glad that we did get to a point in society where we were able to go to the other extreme rather than the extreme, which we, we had been in this extreme of ignoring culture and protection culture, like you talked about, right? Where, you know, the celebrity and the people that mattered, they didn't have to answer for things they did. And we did get to go all the way to the other side where that's where you kind of see the development of cancel culture. And I just think, of course, cancel culture needs to have its day because it never had its day in the past. And also cancel culture, I think, is gets a bad rap sometimes, of course, and there are things that I don't agree with it. But I also think there's something great that Leslie Odom Jr. said in the podcast the other day, and of course it was about racism, not about sexual assault, but he said, if I, if you're a CEO and you treated a black employee bad and you get fired, you really haven't lost anything. You've lost what you think is your life, but you still have your life, you know? Like you don't, learn from it, become a better person, but you haven't really lost anything. Have you lost a job? Sure. But what is that in the grand scheme of when we're talking about people who have lost their lives because of these issues, not like, you know, and their complete independence because of these issues. So I do think that is a helpful part of it. That being said, I do think we need to start coming to a middle where things are called out, not just in celebrities, but people like you and me, need to be able to be called out on a regular basis and they need to be able to be called out knowing that this is a conversation that is not, unless you're unwilling to learn from it and you repeat these mistakes or the mistakes get even worse and more violent that I think, you know, that you have to be in a position where you are allowed to learn because we can't acknowledge that men are bad because of toxic masculinity and then cancel them as individuals as if toxic masculinity isn't a problem, you know? Like, I think both can be true. Both are true. It's like individuals make mistakes, but there is a societal system in place that makes it much more likely that they make those mistakes. So I think both have to be acknowledged. And that's how we come to a place where men are able to like look at themselves in the mirror on a daily basis and say, I was called out for this, this, and this. I need to understand more about this. And the other side can feel much better knowing that they will do the work to do that. And if they don't, cancel them. Absolutely cancel them. A hundred percent. Chris D'Elia, get him out of here. Absolutely, get him out of here. But, you know, I, I do think that there is a further conversation coming about this. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I think there's, I, I think like at the root of cancel culture, there's good things. I'm not a fan of cancel culture because first off, I don't, it doesn't seem to be like, across the board equal. Like, I don't think there's like, it seems like who gets canceled isn't 
Like, I don't think everyone gets like upheld in cancel culture. Like there's like certain people that get canceled, but like across the board, I'm not sure we're holding everyone to like the same standards. Like, I'm not sure why like this person got canceled and this one didn't like, why was this person's mistake not cancelable? Uh, and then also I, I just don't like cancel culture because I think sometimes it's just like cancel them and like get them out of here where if you fucked up, I want you to be held accountable for it. I don't want, I don't want you just to disappear and go away and, and live with your sins. I want you to get in trouble if you did something wrong. So I, I think cancel culture like lets them off too easy in in my eyes. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said. But I definitely think we can love Kobe the player, respect his gamemanship, mentality, etc., while not idolizing the entire man, you know, criticizing what needs to be criticized. At the end of the day, we're not talking about Kobe Bryant as we wish he was. We're talking about Kobe Bryant and his legacy as it was. Yeah. You know, and I think that's more respectful to him as well. I think I think it's respectful to everybody to talk about who they really were and not just pick things that we want to talk about. You know, because that's not he had he made mistakes, and I think, like you said, he learned from some of them, and that needs to be talked about as well. Because then that's something we, as I mean, especially men in sports, where it can be very toxic. Like I think that's when you talk about Kobe's mishaps and hopefully as i said like i think he has gotten better when you but when you talk about that stuff more like that's when you as a society and you as as people will also understand it more instead of like we can't we can't learn like kobe just like he just becomes a lot more impactful when that is part of his story because there's a lot to be learned there instead of just being like man that guy really liked to score buckets like he he was a great scorer I, i don't learn that as much from Kobe, the person just acknowledging that part of him as I do, if this is included in his narrative. And I think, I think it has to be. And I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it is, you just don't, yeah. you don't get to pick and choose what, what a person was, who they were, what their life they lived was. So. Right. And I, and I also think that to tell somebody, especially someone with a history of this in their past, that they need to feel bad that Kobe Bryant is dead is not your call. You know, it's the same thing as the people who will not vote for Joe Biden in November because they think it's icky that his allegations as well. Like as much as I think that there is, you know, multiple sides of everything. If you have a history of this, I don't think it's for anybody else to say how you should be feeling because I would never, you know, make someone think they have to feel bad for somebody that is synonymous with their trauma. So I think that it's important to include in his legacy to allow everybody to feel about them the way that they need to feel about him. And that's what I'll say too. Agreed. Yeah. No, I mean, if you, if you're not a Kobe fan because of this, I, I don't think you're a bad person. No, at all. Not even a little bit. I don't think that's something to be held up against anybody. Uh, Yeah. All right, Jan, we're going to pivot now to kind of talk more about legacy and what's Kobe's left behind. First, though, I, w- I want to ask you, where do you think or where do you have him ranked all time on your best NBA players? I have him ranked third, and it's not close to fourth. 
That's for me, that's what it is. It's a third by a long shot from everybody underneath him. Um, I just think, like I said, heir apparent to Michael Jordan. The reason I have him behind LeBron James um, is because I think LeBron is a different player. And honestly, we're making this list seeing LeBron making history. So like, I, 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 I will not put, I, I truthfully, I watched him in the Blazers game the other day and it just reminded me that he is still so far from finishing his legacy. And the fact that they're tied in my head, kind of, I, I'm going to put LeBron first, give him that benefit. But I definitely think Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, top three without a, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, that's for me. He's third. I like it. Tough, tough to argue against. I mean, the top NBA player discussion is always fun because it's like, I think whatever you like think, it's hard to like disagree with somebody on like what they think, like on their perspective of it. Like I've never, I mean, I guess I can't say I've never seen a top 10 list that I thought was stupid, but for the most part, like people kind of have the same, like you see a top 10, you're like, I don't know if that's my top 10, but I don't think it's a bad top 10. Right. Like all those players are great. It's just where they land. That's everyone's game. I don't yeah, know. exactly. What so do you have? I, him, I think I was going back and forth, but I think I'll probably give him the nod over Timmy Duncan and I've got him fifth. Okay. I've got LeBron one, MJ two, magic three. And I, I still give Shaq the nod over Kobe. Wow. Yeah, okay. I do. I think, I think Shaq was, at Shaq's best, he was, I think, just a little more dominant than than Kobe was. It helps when you're, you know, seven two and three hundred pounds. For sure. I mean, we're talking about a completely different player. That's also the hard yeah. thing about an NBA top ten list. Is like, how are you going to talk about um, a player like Tim Duncan in the same breath as Kobe Bryant? They're completely different. Like, there's no way you can compare them. That's why. That's why I always hate like greatest football player discussions because at least in basketball. They're like their games are different. Like if you're a post guy or a perimeter player, but you're all guy like kind of doing the same stuff. We're like, how do you compare a left tackle to a safety? They're they are not playing the same like sport at all. They're right, like exactly. at least like what they're doing is so completely different that like the idea of the best football player I think is such a. I mean, it's a fun conversation to have because that's what these dumb conversations are. But it's so like how can you truly say that like that's the best football player? He might be the best at his position, but they, all the positions are so different for the most part. I mean, you know, position group here and there linebacker, you know, outside linebacker and middle line, mid middle linebacker aren't like crazy different, but yeah. But yeah, I, I think I, I got Kobe five. I just give I just give the nod a little more to Magic and Shaq, and I think probably unfair or not, it's just also to do with like the size that both of those guys had. I mean, Magic Johnson six nine point guard, Shaq as I said seven two, absolute beast down low. So those those physical attributes certainly give them some help. But yeah, I give I was I was thinking going six because you know how much I love Timmy Duncan. But I, I know you love I your Timmy Duncan. I think I got to give it to Kobe. Over Tim Duncan on Kobe Day, give it to Kobe yeah. on Kobe Day. Oh, Kobe, he'll be five. He'll be five for me, which is still good. I think. Oh, honestly, yeah. I think. I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm going to. I think he like. 
there was a little bit of like everyone was sad when he passed where like it felt like a lot of people were he was getting higher on people's lists i feel like like in the sadness of like people like people like remembering it like remembering him like it felt like he was kind of itching up some some standings which i have no problem with but uh it was like i was like has is he risen right i think it's i mean more like any top 10 list, it all, all like, you know me, the reason I put MJ over LeBron is, is the grit that MJ has, right? Like, and I, and I'm seeing more and more of it in LeBron as I watch him play more, but that's, what's important to me, which is why Kobe's so high. I don't, the ESPN top 10, I, what he was the eighth or ninth. I also don't think that that's the worst thing in the world. You know, there's plenty of great players ahead of him that also deserve those spots. Do I think Magic Johnson was, of course, of course, Shaq, of course. Tim Duncan, of course. Like, yeah. Like, you yeah. can't argue these things. It's like a it's like saying, like, you can't, You don't really see a top 10. You're like, oh, that's wrong. Like, is it mine? No. But it, do I think it's a bad one? No. Right. But we continue to do it because why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. Because it's a fun discussion to have. All these players are going to get together and play and be able to figure it out. So, Jan, what do you think Kobe's legacy is, not only as a basketball player, but as a person, as the icon that he really has become? What do you think is left in, in the wake of his passing and, and just the, the trail that he blazed? One of the fiercest competitors, most ardent mentors, and hardest workers in the history of sports and perhaps the world, an imperfect person but a sports hero. Very well said. I like that. What about you? I think my first sentence I had, I think it'll be one of the greatest known as one of the greatest competitors. But I think uh, in the wake of this now too, I think he's really going to be remembered as a father and mentor. Uh, And I think that was shown through, you know, in his last couple seasons, just like the stuff from his last games where he was, Point, you know, winking at, at his girls and Vanessa or in retirement when the, the you know, the clips of him and him and Gigi at basketball games talking about the game and stuff. Um, and now even just like girl dad, like when you hear girl dad, you think of Kobe Bryant because of L Duncan's story about when she was pregnant and he was like, I'll have a, five more girls. I'm, I'm a girl dad. Like this hashtag has become a thing because of him. And like you've mentioned uh, before with the mentor that he's become and for so many players, like so many different people, you have Sabrina Ionescu at his service at the Staples Center talking about him and and the mentorship that he gave to her. You got Devin Booker down in Orlando writing Be Legendary on his shoes every game. And he's like, Kobe's always with me. Or this year, I was able to go see the Nets and the Bulls. It was five days after Kobe's passing. And Kyrie went off. You could tell the guy's head was not there, but he was playing the game as well as I've ever seen Kyrie. He dropped 54 points and in the post-game interview, cited the Mamba mentality. You could tell, you know, he was playing for Kobe. Just the amount of different individuals that have been affected by his leadership. Um, and I, I, I kind of I think the father mentor is kind of connected there in uh, 
and what he's done. And I think that's going to be something that people remember for a long time about him. Yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. Not easy words to find sometimes. Yeah. No words will be perfect, but I think we, I think we summed it up well. Yeah. All right, Jan. Well, we're, uh, we're almost done here. We've got some shout outs. I've decided I am giving you quick fire questions. They're all, they're all Kobe related. I wasn't going to do it. And then I was like, no, I'm going to surprise him and have them. And they're all Kobe questions. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go with my shout out first. So I'll let you sit and worry about um, the quick fire questions more. My shout out this week is I'm going to keep it basketball is to the Seattle storm. They are absolutely killing it in the WNBA. When we talked about the WNBA a couple weeks ago, they were tied at the top of the standings at three and one. Now they're 11 and three. Sue bird is the ageless wonder at point. Brianna Stewart might be the best player in the league. She's as dominant in the WNBA as she was at UConn. And they look like a, uh, I mean, there's a couple other teams near them in the standings, but to me right now, they look like the clear, clear favorites to bring home the title in the WNBA. That's great. Yeah. Love that. Love the WNBA shout out. You're right. The storm are crushing it. Love it. Absolutely. My shout out, and we'll talk about it more next episode, but Sevilla, Sevilla, Mamma Mia, Sevilla. I mean, just the true champions of the Europa League getting it done against Inter Milan in dramatic fashion. Yeah, they can't lose. And just has anyone ever been as dominant in a competition? I doubt it. So I just shout out Sevilla. I was thinking the other day, I was like, is the three straight Europa Leagues the most impressive feat that's ever been done in sports? No. Is it the most improbable? Maybe. Yeah, because you got to finish top five of your own league, and then you have to go against a million teams. In every- yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, give me the quick fire. Give me the quick fire. Do it. Do, right. it. Do it. I think I know the answer to this one, just of how you've answered and talked about Kobe today, but what quality of Kobe's would you choose to have? Uh, tenacity, the, the tenacity that he has, not just to work hard, but to work hard every second. That's what I wish I could have. Agreed. And I, this episode has me wanting to go read Mamba Mentality again. I'm going to absolutely. And then just, and then just like work super, like you read that book and you're just like, I am ready to get everything done ever. Right. Absolutely. Incredible motivator. All right. Kobe in the number eight Jersey. Or the number 24 jersey? Oh, gosh. I, I'm going to say 24 because I saw him in 24 more. Yeah. So 20, 24. 24 is what I'll say. I think he was at his best in 24. But I kind of lean, lean towards number eight, Kobe. I don't know why. I think I just I really love the Shaq-Kobe teams. They were fun to watch. Right. All right. And this one, this one might be the toughest one. I, I'm not sure who I, who I would go with. Maybe one of the players I've mentioned, but what current NBA player reminds you most of Mr. Kobe Bryant? Dame Dalla. Dame Dalla Lillard right now. I like Dame that. I like Dalla that pick. Lillard. I mean, just the he's got the same stank face. He does. He's ready for it. And I, I that's what I'm gonna say. They both when 
It's like like I was saying earlier about the dunks. Like the harder that it is made for both of them, the more they elevate their play. Like right. if it's an easy thing, they they don't play as well. If it looks like it's an impossible thing to get done, they're they're gonna meet it. Yeah, absolutely. I also I have to say one other thing I love about Kobe, and is just like the most Kobe thing ever is that he gave himself the Black Mamba nickname. Yeah. So not only did he nickname himself, it stuck. Like, people were like, all right, we're going to use it. That iconic. Like, I, everyone else, iconic. everybody else in the world is like, hey, you're going to start calling me this. Everyone else is like, okay, jackass. Shut, shut yeah. up. And exactly. we're all like, you know what? He's right. He is a He's player. right. That's. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today. Reliving one of the greatest athletes of the 21st century. One of the most iconic people really in American culture over the last couple decades. Jan's got to go get, watch some soccer. I guess I do too, but it's going to be more enjoyable for me. Well, depending Uh, on what happens. It's starting right now, Matt. I know. All right. So Jan's going to go watch soccer. Indy 500's on. We'll be back this week to talk the European champions, NHL playoffs. Be safe. Wear a mask. Register to vote. Hug your mother. Mia San Mia. Mia San Mia. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.